Good evening and welcome. Well, good evening and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to our Periscope uh, friends. Uh, this is the Word on Wednesday, and I am Pastor Winfred Burns rushing into the studio. Something came up at the last minute, and I was I wanted to get something and ran out of time. But in any event, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're here tonight with the Word on Wednesday and our Bible study of 1 Samuel, Transitions to Transformation. Uh, this is a Bible study that has been going on now for several months as we have worked our way through 1 Samuel. Tonight we are, will be visiting 1 Samuel chapter 23. Uh, if you will, grab your Bibles. I'll do a brief um I'll do a very, very brief update as to what's happened prior to, and then we're going to jump right into the Bible study. But before we go any further, let me say this to you out there who who perhaps you're a first-timer or you're curious about Bible studies, you're curious about God, and you're curious about your relationship with God. It's no, it's no accident that you tuned in tonight. As a matter of fact, it is... Um, it's an appointment with God. God is calling you. God is speaking with you even right now, and he's trying to reveal himself to you. He's trying to let you know that he loves you, that he desires for you to be in his presence, and he has made provision for you to be in his presence, as a matter of fact. You might sit there right now and think, well, wait a second, hold it. Uh, I know God exists, but I don't know him. Or you might think, you know, yeah, I learned about God as a, as a child, and I learned about Jesus as a child, but my life is just no good, and I'm not a very good person. Well, the good news about it is a couple things. One, God already knows who you are, and he knows what you've done, knows where you've been. Uh, and the second piece of that good news is that and he still loves you, and he loves you so much that he wants to deal with that. And the way he's dealt with our sins, the way he's dealt with us, and notice I include myself in it, is he gave his son Jesus to die for us. And so tonight, if you, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that's all you got to do, just believe that he's the Christ, that he, is, that he died for your sins, that uh, that and that on the third day he rose again, that he is the Son of God. You can be saved, and all you need to do to be saved is simple. Just ask him into your life. Just ask him into your life. Just say, and, just, and it's simple. Literally, God, I messed up, I sinned. But you gave your son Jesus for me. And because you gave your son Jesus for me, I believe that. I believe him to be the Son of God. Will you, Jesus, will you come into my heart? Will you save me? If you ask Jesus to save you, if you confess, if you say, that's all confession means, if you say the same thing that God has said, that he is the son of God and that he died for your sins, just just that simple, nothing formal or anything, just ask God, look, I want to be saved, and I believe that Jesus is the son of God. You can be saved. You can be saved. And so I'll, you do that. Do that right now. And 
before we go any further, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to pray for this Bible study so we can have enough time to really, really go through it. And then, if you pray this prayer, if you're out there and you pray this prayer, you need to get in touch with a pastor, a church, another Christian, uh, and then get into a place where you can learn more about your salvation. There's plenty of Christians out there. There are plenty of churches out there who would be more than happy to help you. And if you need to talk to me about it, you can call me at um, 929-477-2304 or just right across the screen on Periscope, and we can hook up later on after this Bible study, and we can teach you more about salvation. But right now, there's a, the gift of God is waiting for you. Amen? So let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We bless you and we praise you for all that you do. First of all, we thank you for salvation, and we thank you for those out there right now who are praying a prayer and asking you to come into their lives. We pray, Master, that you would meet them at their point of need. We pray, Father, that you would send others alongside them to teach them the way of salvation and to teach them more about you. We pray that pastors and, and evangelists and all the members of the body would surround that individual and help them grow and mature as Christians. We ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Then, Father, we pray for this Bible study tonight. We pray, Father, that you would just open up this book with us, that your spirit would lead us through these passages, and that your spirit would speak to us. I thank you, O oh Father, that you've appointed me to lead the Bible study. But, Father, more than leading the Bible study, we need you to penetrate the hearts of the hearers. We need you to minister to them in those special places. We need them not to hear my voice, but to hear your voice in those secret places of the heart that only you can get into. We need you to pour in the oil to heal their wounded souls. We need to, you to pour in that oil of gladness. We need you to bring them into that place of perfect peace. We need you to bring them into all truth because those are things that are humanly impossible for a man. But, oh, God, with you all things are possible. So speak to our hearts tonight from your word and by your spirit. We thank you and we praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Okay, let's get at it. Now, we're at 1 Samuel chapter 23, and we have been in pursuit of a theme throughout these, uh, probably from chapter 19 all the way through now. And the theme that we have been pursuing is the run to the refiner, because our thesis through the, from chapter 19 forward has been that David is being prepared to become, to ascend rather, because he already is, he's already been anointed to be king, but now he's being prepared to be the king. And he spent some time in preparation in Saul's court. And now he's on the run from Saul because God wants to, him to spend some time with him. And this time seems like a fiery trial. And what we have been, been showing you is that as David is on the run, as he is 
being tried, as he is being persecuted by Saul, that he's literally being refined to become the king of Israel. God is proving him and proving himself. I'll say it again. God is proving David, meaning that God is showing David what's inside of him, and then God is showing David his power. God is revealing himself to him. And we looked at a previous chapter, and one of the things that in chapter, I believe it was 22, David learned not to depend on men, but that he can cry out to God. And how did we find that out? Well, we looked at David's response to his to the trial that he went through in the case of Abdullah, and that response was found in one of the Psalms. Because one of the things that we want you to know tonight, one of the things that you've got to be aware of is that there is a human response to trials and tribulations. God doesn't tell us, doesn't expect us, as we are being tried in the fire, to have a, just a stiff upper lip and be quiet and just take it. When we are pressed, there's an expression that comes out of us. And the expression that comes out of us is going to depend on what's in us. And what comes out of David during these times of trial and tribulation, are prayer. In this one, the first one, chapter 22, David learns how to pray. In chapter 23, I mean, in chapter 22, rather, when he was, um, or 21, he learned how to pray. 22, when he was at the case, he learned that God would protect him. Now, in chapter 23, we, um, when we get to this chapter, we're going to see what David is learning and what is being produced within David. And I'm going, and this, this chapter is tricky, and this chapter is a little long. And it's tricky because, one, there are two distinct scenes that we'll go through. And the first scene that we go through is from 23.1 all the way through 23.6. Uh, and then the second scene that we go through is what happens in 23-7 to the end of the chapter. So that's the way that chapter is broken out. But there's a common thread that goes throughout this entire chapter, and so we don't lose it, I'm going to give it to you up front. The common thing throughout this entire chapter is the hand. That's the, that's the commonality in this chapter. It's about the hand. And we're going to see hands going against one another. And so let me just, let me just that, 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 write that down, the hand. Just write that down, the hand. Because if, as we travel through these passages, and there's a lot of wiggles, there's a lot of twists and turns, he's going to go from place to place in this chapter. If you lose yourself in this chapter, the one thing that I want you to see is the hand. Amen? So, because there's a bunch of sub-things, there's a lot of subplots, and I don't want us to get to get to a point where we, we're lost. Now, when we last visited David, David was 
um, being uh, he was basically um, assembling himself together with a bunch of other people. And Abiathar, the priest, had come down to him and reported that Saul had destroyed Nob, the priest at Nob, and he also destroyed Nob. Everything in there was annihilated simply because Saul believes that people are conspiring against him to take the throne away from him. And the Bible has already told us that it's not the people, it's not David that's taking the throne away from Saul. God took the throne from him. God rejected him as king. So there's, no, there's nothing you can do about that. There's nothing. The word of God has gone forward, and uh, uh, Samuel has come to him and told him, you have been rejected as king. But Saul is fighting against the word of God. Amen? So that's where we are right now. David is on the run, and now he is, he has, he's come back over into Judah, and now we get to verse 1 of 23. It says, when David was told, I'm at verse 20, chapter 23 for 1 Samuel, verse 1. When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are looting the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, Go, attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, here in Judah, we are afraid. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? Once again, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, Go down to Keilah, for I am going to give the Philistines into your hand. So David and his men went to Keilah, fought the Philistines, and carried off their livestock. He inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Keilah. Now Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, had brought the ephod down, had brought the ephod down with him when he fled to David at Keilah. So, Keilah, first of all, David is down in the land of Judah. He is close to um, to, to Keilah, and he hears about the Philistine raids. Now, the place that David is dwelling in is about three miles from Keilah, and Keilah sits in a very precarious position. It sits right on the border between the Philistine cities and Judah's territory. And so David is staying away from, uh, from, from uh, uh, Saul because Saul is down in Gibeah. David's activities during this time are basically going to take place right around Hebron. As a matter of fact, he's in the wilderness, and while he's in the wilderness, he's in a wilderness that's not too far away from Hebron. So basically what he's doing is, is Gibeah is in uh, the territory of Benjamin, and um, Hebron is in the territory of Judah. And Benjamin, at Benjamin, the territory of Benjamin, borders, it sits on the northern border of the territory of Judah. But now Judah, who has been given this huge portion of land, uh, borders up against Benjamin on the north, the, um, 
the, the Dead Sea on the east and Philistine territory on the west. And the south of them is Simeon's territory. So just so you can get just a little smattering of what's going on. And if you get a chance, um, you can get on the Internet and get a map of, of, the, uh, of, of Canaan and the 12 tribes portion. So you can kind of get a picture of this because it's really hard for me to explain over the Internet. But if you get a picture, you'll see that David spends a lot of time running in a circle, and then eventually what he's going to do is he's going to run from uh, the western yeah, the western border of Judah all the way to the eastern border of Judah. And chapter 23 is going to show us this. And I'll, I'll point out where he is as best possible as we go through this. But Keilah is sitting in a, a very, very precarious place. And what has happened here is that the, the Philistines will wait until... Um, We'll wait until uh, um, they'll wait until the uh, the people of Keilah bring in their crops, and then they'll come and they'll steal them, literally steal them. In this case, it looks like what they did was they brought their livestock into Keilah, overran the city, and let their livestock eat up all the grain. That, that was there that the citizens were, were harvesting for themselves. So it's like they work all season long to get this, this stuff, and then after they bring in the harvest and they thresh the harvest and prepare the harvest to take home, here come these Philistines taking from them what they've worked for. The Holy Spirit speaking to somebody now. I'm not going to preach because I could preach this, but I won't preach it. I'm, I just need to teach the chapter. And so um, you need to see exactly what's going on. David hears about this because he's in the vicinity, and he does what a king should do. He asks the Lord, is this a fight that I need to get in? Why would he ask God that? Let me tell you why he would ask God that. Because David is a protector. David is a warrior. David is an intercessor. That's the job of a king. That's the job of a leader. That's the job of a father. That's the job of a mother to be in a place where they can intercede when there is a problem. But David asked the question before he gets involved. He goes to the Lord and he says, is this something that you want me to do? Do I go down and fight them? As we studied Saul, do any of you ever remember Saul asking or inquiring of the Lord anything? I don't. But here that David, who has this relationship with God, who understands that he is not his own, that he belongs to God, and he has submitted himself to God, and that he is the servant of God. He goes to God and he asks God, God, what do I do? How many of us, how many of us actually take the time out to inquire of the Lord concerning our day? or our life, 
Or do we just do it like Saul and just, well, whatever I feel like doing, I'm doing. Whatever I want, I want, and I'm just going to get it. Whatever I, you know, because we fail to recognize what the Bible says concerning us. You have been bought with a price. You are not your own. We belong to God. And if we are to properly represent God, if we're going to grow, if we're going to transform into the person and people that God has called us to be, then we need to be like David and ask God, what do you want us to do? So David asked, do I go? Do I fight the Philistines? And the Lord says, go fight the Philistines. Well, by now, as you know, David has about 600 men. David goes back to his men and basically announces, we're going down to fight the Philistines. And his men basically are going to say, are you crazy? Man, you know Saul after us. We scared where we at. Now, not only do we have Saul looking for us to kill us, but you're going to go down there and jump in a fight with the Philistines? Because they're afraid. And one of the things that, that we as leaders have to learn how to do is how to deal with fear. And the first thing that David does is he goes back and he says, God, are you sure you want me to go do that? Did I hear you right? And God confirms his word to David, and he tells David, yeah, go, because I didn't tell you to go down there and just fight them. I've given them into your hand. I've given them to you. So when he gets a word from the Lord, he moves by faith. He goes down to Keilah. He fights with, with, the, with the Philistines, and not only does he win, but those who had come, to rob the people of Keilah, got killed and robbed themselves because he took the livestock. Now, remember I talked about that hand. First of all, in this passage, the Lord told uh, uh, David, he says, I've given them over into your hand. Look at this again. So the Philistines came to take out of the hand of Samuel, oh, excuse me, of the people of Keilah, the blessings that God had given them. Not only were they not able to take from them, but they got took. They got took. And that's something that you have to understand, that when you are where God wants you to be. Wait a minute. Now, why are you saying when you are where God wants you to be? Remember, David was sent there by God. David was sent back to Judah by Gad when he was over in, the, in Moab. He was down in the fortress, and Gad came to him and told him, uh-uh, you can't stay here. Get back to Judah. David left a place that was seemingly secure, that was seemingly away from Saul, to get right back up under Saul's nose. He jumped right back deeper into the fire at the command of God, and God then sends him into battle to defend and intercede for someone else. And then he, del he delivers the enemy into the hand of his servant. 
He says, I've given them over into your hand. Now, to avoid preaching, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to you on that passage. That's, what it, that's the passage. That's the information in the passage. Okay? Because the Holy Spirit is talking to somebody tonight about where they are in their walk, where they are in the transformation process. Because David is being transformed into the king that God called him to be, and you are being transformed into the person that God wants you to be. And you sit in that fire, in that fire hot, but it's just burning some stuff off you and revealing some stuff about you and revealing some stuff about God to you. That's all that's happening. Hallelujah. Look, get back in your Bibles. Go to verse 7. Go to verse 7. And this is a long passage. I'm going to try to break it up a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to break it up. I'll break it up. We're at verse 7. And by the way, if you have questions, if you have questions, those of you who are out on Periscope, uh, just flash it under the screen, and I'll, I'll stop and I'll try to answer your question as quickly as I can. And those of you who are on the Global Drive, I want you to call me at 929-477-2304. We'd love to have your questions tonight. Um, verse 7. Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah, and he said, God has handed him over to me, for David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with gates and bars. And Saul called up all his forces for battle to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. Now, one of the things that you need to understand about Keilah is the location of Keilah was up on kind of a, a hill. Keilah was set, I think they said about 1,500 feet above sea level, which actually means nothing to us in Illinois because everything is flat. But it was basically set up on a hill. It was a fortified city. It was an excellent location to fend off the enemy, but it was a poor location because a superior force could surround the city, and they call it besiege it. And what they could do is literally starve David out of the city. They could just sit there and wait because food would run out and water would run out. And you either come out or you stayed in there and you starved to death. And eventually, if they really wanted to get at you, they would begin to bombard the city in different ways with stones and rocks and fire and shoot arrows over in there. But the easiest thing to do is just encamp around the city with a superior force and just wait. And so Saul thinks, oh, he done messed up now. I'm trapping him in the city. So Saul gets all of his people together getting ready to come down to besiege the city. When David learned that Saul was pointing, I'm at verse 9, when David learned that Saul was plotting against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod. Now, if you notice in verse 6, it says that, Abiathar comes to Keilah and joins in with David and brings the ephod with him. The ephod is, the, is a symbol of God. Now, the ephod is a linen tunic, and the linen tunic for the priest was worn over that long blue robe that had all the tassels and pomegranates on it and everything, and the ephod set on, over that blue robe. And on that ephod, it was fastened at the top 
with a, with some stones, with two stones on either side, that and on those stones were written, were written the tribes of Israel. And over the ephod was the breastplate that had the Urim and the Thurim in them. So it was a part of the priest's dress, and priests wore them when they were ministering in the temple, ministering to the people, ministering before God. And so this ephod that Abiathar comes down with becomes the symbol of the presence of God in David's camp. And any time David was inquiring of the Lord, you'll notice that he'll say, bring the ephod. Because he wants to consult with God. He wants to get into the presence of God as he prays and inquires of God. So that epapha is very, very important to them. Now he says, um, bring the epapha, David says. And he, David begins to pray, O Lord God of Israel, your servant, did you hear that? Your servant has heard, has heard definitely that Saul plans to come to Keilah and destroy the town on account of me. Will the citizens of Keilah surrender me to him? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will. And David asked, will the citizens of Keilah surrender me and my men to Saul? And the Lord said, they will. Oh, now my feelings would have been hurt right then and there. And let me tell you, because I came over here to rescue y'all, and now I'm in a tight and y'all just going to give me up? Ooh, I would have been mad. But look at the circumstances a little bit closer. Now, remember a couple of chapters ago, we saw what Saul was capable of doing, how he sent Doeg out to kill the priest, and then how Doeg went from there, and he killed all the women and children of Nah. The people of Keilah are probably surmising, look, hold on, look what he did to them. Yeah, we was having some trouble with the Philistines. All they was going to do is eat up all our stuff and take our grain and stuff, and they would have went on about their business. But this boy then came and brought trouble on us, and now he's getting ready to get us. Not only will we not have any grain or anything, we won't have our life. David recognizes their precarious position, and he wants to know, wait a minute, what is it that I am supposed to do? And the thing about it is that there are times when, you know, we, would, we could sit up here tonight and get ourselves all engrossed and all involved in the treachery of the men and women of Keilah. But if we put that little bit of understanding over it, we could say, yeah, okay, I understand why they did it a little bit better now. I still don't like it. They still shouldn't have did my boy like that. But I understand why they were scared of Saul. But the real thing that we want to, to focus in is Saul is intent on laying his hand on David so he can kill him. And the second thing is David's response to danger. Look at how David is responding to danger now. He is responding to danger by praying, by seeking the Lord, by asking him what's getting ready to happen. 
Do you not know that God knows what's going on in your life, that God knows what's going on every second of your trial, and that if you want to know, all you need to do is ask God because God will reveal to you what he wants you to know or what you need to know, and you needn't be concerned about anything surprising you. The only thing that will surprise you is how powerful God is in those circumstances. That's what's going to surprise you. It will surprise you when he speaks like he speaks. It will surprise you when he delivers like he delivers. It will surprise you the strategies that will pop in your head all of a sudden. It will surprise you the words that come out of your mouth. But the enemy won't be able to sneak up on you because you have access to knowledge. You have access to the all-knowing all wise God, and David in the transformative period of his life is learning to ask and get an answer from the Lord. Saul wants to get his hand on him. David finds out, yeah, he coming, and not only is he coming, but these folk going to give you up. And so move to the next voice, verse. So David and his men, about 600 in number, left Keilah and kept moving from place to place. Look, what that phrase means is that they kept moving where God was leading. Wherever God led them to go, that's where they moved. They didn't stay stationary. They just, Lord, which way are we going today? Go left? Fine. Go right? The Bible teaches us, in all thy ways acknowledge God and he shall direct your path. Have you been bumping into walls lately? Have you been walking a frustrated life? Have you been walking in what seems like complete darkness? Do you not know what to do? Let me follow those questions up with this one. Have you sought the Lord? One of my daughter's favorite phrases when I'm talking to her or when she's counseling somebody is, ask the Lord, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Sometimes I get so tired of hearing that girl say, ask the Lord. I'm like, okay. But let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. Have you asked the Lord? Have you sought the Lord? You know, it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Have you sought the Lord in your walk with him? Because I'm going to tell you something. If, if you're in a tight place having sought the Lord, even though the place is uncomfortable to you, even though the place is tight, even though it, 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 it's, it's dark, even though it's hot, you're in the right place. Stay right there because God placed you there because he is refining you. And David learned how to get a word from the Lord by asking. It says, ask and it shall be given. Seeking you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. A whole lot of times we basically, you know, apply this passage of Scripture to getting some money or getting something. How about applying it to get a word from the Lord, to get direction from the Lord. The Bible also tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things shall be added unto you. It also tells us, seek the Lord with your whole heart. It says, seek me and you'll find me. 
And in all of these situations, we want a word from God. We want to hear from God. We want to know what God is saying about something. And the reason why we don't know is because we don't ask and then sit still and wait and get an answer. So when Saul was told, and I'm at 13B right now, when Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, he did not go there. David stayed in the desert strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Zip. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. You know, let me, let me start developing this thing about the hands. When you are in the hand of God, no man can pluck you out of them. Jesus tells us that. He says, all that the Father has given to me, no man can take it away from me. Have you given your life over to Christ? Have you placed yourself into the hands of God? When you are in God's hand, and that's the thing that you that you that you need to learn tonight. When you are in God's hand, when you are in God's plan. When you are, have purposed your life and are on purpose trying to live as God has called you to live, there is nothing that can happen to you that God does not allow. Your life and the circumstance, or let me say it this way, the circumstances that come into your life are a part of God's recipe to bring you to your purpose. It is all a part of the refining process. And God's hand is upon you even in that mess or what looks like a mess. David's running now. He says, he says, they stayed in the desert strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Zip. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. And while David was at Horesh in the desert of Zip, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. Now, Horesh is, I believe, about five miles southeast of Keilah. And it's in the wilderness again. He's not staying in the city proper because David has learned not to get trapped in those cities, but he needs to be mobile and he needs to be able to move around. And so he stays in the wilderness. But look what happens during his moments because he's distressed now. He's upset. He's running every day. Can you imagine every day somebody in pursuit of you? You ever watch the, the movie The Fugitive with Richard Kimball? You know, the one where you got the one-armed man that killed Richard Kimball's wife, and 
Richard Kimball escapes from jail and he's trying to find the one-armed man and the police trying to find him and this detective is after him, hounding him from city to city and he's on the run. Can you imagine the anxiety? Or just consider for a second that if you were hiding from somebody, you were an escaped criminal. Be a criminal for a few minutes. Just for a few minutes. Just play stuff. Play stuff. Play stuff. You a criminal and you got to hide out. And a superior force now, you, you hide not on your own, and the whole Chicago Police Department is looking for you. And they're knocking on doors, and they're going to your mama's house, and they're going to your auntie's house, and they're going everywhere trying to look for you, and you by yourself trying to stay away from them, trying to stay alive. This is what David is going through, the anxiety that he feels from day to day. And on top of that, he got 600 people, 600 men with him. This is what he's feeling. Sometimes we read the scripture and we forget. David is a real man. And he's going through all of these pressures. And you are a real person. And God understands your pressures. God understands what you are going through. But God is using it to refine you. And David is running. And all of a sudden, Jonathan. It is strange here that Jonathan is so connected to David. And the author of the Bible doesn't tell us how he is able to get to David at Horesh and his daddy king. Saul can't get to him, but his friend Jonathan can. And Jonathan comes and he confirms the word of God, you will be king. Jonathan, again, submissive Jonathan. Yeah, I know. The way the law says it, I should be king. But, no, God has spoken. You know, that's that's what a lot of us need to understand, that God has spoken. Saul speaks a word against Jonathan. Against John, uh, Jonathan and David. But, Dave, but Jonathan humbly, humbly says, I'm going to agree with God. We can learn something from Jonathan. We can learn that when God has said something to us, even if it's not what we want to hear, some of us aspire to positions. Some of us aspire to uh, be something. And God has said something different. Jonathan probably wanted to be king at some point in time, but he accepted the word of God. And now God is using him to confirm and strengthen David. Are you that kind of friend? Jonathan's a good friend. Jonathan is in covenant not only with David, but in covenant with God. We need more Jonathans here to be in covenant with God and to be in covenant with the people who are in covenant with God, to be uplifting, to affirm, to let them know you're in the right place. You're just going through right now. But you're in God's hand. And when you're in God's hand, you're protected by God. And God has spoken a word and God has anointed you and he said, you shall be or you are. And he confirms this word through Jonathan tonight, and he confirms his word in you. 
God has spoken to you. He said something to you. And he has placed an assignment on your life. And he's anointed you with it, with that assignment. And you think, ah, the, the enemy is against me so tough and I'll never make it. And the word, of, the word says the devil is alive. You are in his hands. And the hand of the enemy can move against you all at once. But it, what does the Bible say? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. In the preceding passage, Saul laid out a plan. He was going to go besiege the city of Keilah. David left. Now he's chasing him through the wilderness of Ziph. He can't catch him. Go to 19, and I'm going to I'm going to start trying to I'm going to try to finish this tonight. The Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah and said. Is not David hiding among us in the strongholds at Horesh, on the hill of Halkilah, south of Jeshmon? Now, O king, come down, whatever, whenever it pleases you to do so, and we will be responsible for handing him over to the king. Now, watch old Saul. He got some good information. They pinpointed. They know where he's at. And do you know that the Ziphites, just in case you didn't know it, they're a part of Judah. They're one of the tribes of Judah. And they're ready to hand him over for whatever reason. For whatever reason, they're ready to hand him over. It doesn't tell us the exact reason. Perhaps they're just trying to curry favor with the king. But they're ready to hand David over. Saul replied, verse 21, the Lord bless you for your concern for me. Go and make further preparation. Find out where David usually goes and who has seen him there. They tell me he is very crafty. Find out about all the hiding places he uses and come back up, back to me in def, with definite information. Then I will go with you if he is in the area. I will track him down among all the clans of Judah. So they set out and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the desert of Maon, in the Arabah south of Jeshimon. Saul and his men began to search, and when David was told about it, he went down to the rock and stayed in the desert of Maon. When Saul heard this, he went into the desert of Maon in pursuit of David. Now, what is, what's happening here? Remember, David's flight starts in the western part of Judah. Now he's moving from the desert of Ziph and Horesh down toward Maon. Maon is toward the eastern portion of Judah, and if you've got a map, you'll see he's moving toward the Dead Sea. So he's going to this trip. When we end this trip, he'll be, have gone from the western portion of Judah all of the way to the eastern, the southeastern portion of Judah, because he's going to wind up in Engendi. And in the process of running that way, okay, he's going to go to a place called May, the, the wilderness of Maon. So just, just if, you, if you're in your map, just look and start up around, um, start up around, if you can find Gath. If you can find Gath, which is going to be on, it'll be around the, uh, around the, right around the, uh, um, the, the, um, the Mediterranean Sea. 
It'll be right around the Mediterranean Sea, just off uh, about oh, midway down in between the middle of Judah. That's where you'll find it at. And you'll see Gath, you'll see Eshkelon, uh, you'll see Ashtar, around in that area, and, you go, and then draw a line across to the Dead Sea. And that's, and you'll see in Jendai, right on the Dead Sea, that's where that journey's going to end up at. And that's important because you'll see he's on the run. He's running across Judah, okay? Gets to Maon, and that's where he stayed. But in, in Maon, there's a mountain, okay? And that, verse 26, Saul was going along one side of the mountain, and David and his men were on the other side, hurrying to get away from Saul. As Saul and his forces were closing in on David and his men to capture them, a messenger came to Saul saying, come quickly. Now, What's happening here? There is a mountain in Maon, and David is positioned on the easternmost side of that mountain, and he's working his way down toward the Dead Sea. Saul has made what's known as a pincer move. He has divided his forces, so David can't keep running around and around that mountain. Saul is going to come around, take part of his men. They're going to go around one side of the mountain because if he's on the eastern side of the mountain, Saul is on the western side of the mountain, and from the west, they're going to work their way east. Half of them are going to go uh, north, uh, northeast around the mountain, and the other half are going to go uh, southeast around this mountain. So imagine if you're on one side and they're circling around to get you and they're going to put you in a little in a little pincer move. And in the meantime, David is hustling to try to get down the mountain and they know we're going to force him where he can't come back around either way and we'll force him down the mountain because when he gets down in the mountain, down into off the mountain, he's down in a valley. And now Saul's forces have a superior position because he's down in the valley, trapped by the, the Dead Sea on one side, and Saul is on the mountain up top in a superior position. He got him. He's happy. Got him. He's going to be in his hands finally. I got this joker. I've been chasing him all over the place. And look what happens. A messenger came to Saul saying, come quickly. The Philistines are raiding the land. Then Saul broke off his pursuit of David and went to meet the Philistines. This is why they called the place Selah Hamalikoth. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of Engendi. And Selah Hamaluka means the rock of parting. This is the place where Saul had to depart and go and chase the Philistines. Saul is determined to pervert the word of God, to prevent the word of God from taking place because he wants to put his hands on David to kill him. And so the word of God would not go forth and David wouldn't be king and Saul could pass the kingdom on to Jonathan and it would be a dynasty of Saul. 
God sees not so. What is God saying to you tonight from this word? I could speculate, but I won't. What did you learn about God from this word tonight? Did you learn that he's a keeper? Did you learn that he's a protector? Did you learn that his word is going to be accomplished and the devil has no say about nothing because God's word is final? I'm sure you learned that and then some. Let me finish off the lesson tonight uh, by reading you very, very quickly David's reactions to the treachery that happened from the Zippites because he penned the psalm. And David is, you know, you you get a chance to see the emotion. And the reason why you're doing this, why are you showing us this? Because, you know, it's all right to cry. And it's all right to cry out to God. The, the, The emotions that you are feeling right now in the fire, they're all right. You don't have to be ashamed of them. You don't have to be ashamed of being upset about all the things that people have done to you. But don't let that upsetness, don't let those emotions cause you to sin. Let everything that happens drive you closer to God, make you inquire of God more, get you to know God better, see more of what he's doing, reveal himself in your life. Look at what David writes um, Psalm 54, in response to what happens to him, the betrayal of his own people, a clan of Judah, who turned him in. And did you see first, this is the second time somebody just turned on Pope David in this one little chapter. Listen to this. David writes, save me, O God, by your name. This is Psalm 54. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. Strangers are attacking me. Ruthless men seek my life. Men without regard for God. Selah. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Let evil recoil on those who slander me. In your faithfulness, destroy them. I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, O God, for it is good. For he has delivered me from all my troubles, and my eyes have looked in triumph on my foes. That's Psalm 54 in its entirety. David's response is to turn to God, to turn those evil, wicked men over to God. He doesn't doesn't stop to go back and kill the Ziphites. He says, God, you'll deal with them because you, you have delivered me. It was you who made Saul go back. He recognizes the hand of God in all that he is doing for him. And when you submit yourself to God, even as he is refining you, God will assure you that you're in his hand. God will protect you. God will reveal himself to you. God will reveal the plan of the enemy. I know this for a fact because I, I, he's revealed 
the enemy's plans in my life on several occasions. I watched not too long ago where the enemy was planning something against my wife, and God allowed her to see the plan. God allowed her to have the plan delivered to her. That's what happens when you you just put it all in his hands, when you place yourself in his hands. And so tonight, I encourage you, while you're in the fire, learn how to put yourself in the hands of God. And while you're in his hands, you'll always know that he's the one, that he's the one that's protecting you. You don't have to get revenge on your enemies. You don't have to spend your time talking about them. Talk to God. Talk to God about your situation. He'll answer you. Well, God bless you and God keep you. May his face shine upon you. Let's have a quick word of prayer, and then I'll see you next week. Uh, Reread the chapter. Pray over the chapter. Ask God questions about the chapter. He'll speak to you. He will speak to you, and he'll tell you everything. But more than anything else, stay in the fire. He's refining you. And know that when he finally let us out of this fire, we coming out as pure gold. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for what you're showing us. And I thank you, O God, for revealing yourself to your people and speaking by your spirit. Now, Father, you've spoken to us collectively. Now continue to speak to us individually. Watch over us. Keep us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And before I get off, as usual, i got to give you your blessing. And the blessing is this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And that's for you and your family, your household, your friends, everybody that you come into contact with. God bless you, and I'll see you next week for Chapter 24 on the Word on Wednesday as we are being transformed into the very image of Christ. God bless you.